the story of a boy who dreamed of becoming a man, but dreamed up a monster instead. It has hunted you since the summer of 1994, back when we confessed who we were through mixtapes, when every movie at the video store had dirty heads. You were 13 and thought you knew who you were, only the shadow with too many teeth knew you better. It still does, and it won't stop, not until you come home, back to where it all began. Part cosmic horror, part coming of age story, Dirty Heads is a terrifying read from the author of House of Size, The Fallen Boys, and A Place for Sinners. Out now. Tor Nightfire, publisher of Dark Stars, New Tales of Darkest Star, a novelette collection edited by John F.D. Taff. Dark Stars features 12 brand new stories showcasing today's top horror talent from award winners and new voices like Stephen Graham Jones, Priya Sharma, Usman T. Malik, Caroline Kepnes, and Alma Katsu. Dark Stars is an homage to the classic horror anthology Dark Forces, edited by Kirby McCauley. All you have to do is sign up for Nightfire's monthly newsletter and follow them on social media. At Tor Nightfire on social and tornightfire.com. It was as if the video had unzipped my skin, slunk inside my tapered flesh, and become one with me. From the creator of This Is Horror comes a new nightmare for the digital age, The Girl in the Video by Michael David Wilson. After a teacher receives a weirdly arousing video, his life descends into paranoia and obsession. More videos follow, each containing information no stranger could possibly know. But who's sending them, and what do they want? The answers may destroy everything and everyone he loves. The Girl in the Video is the ring meets fatal attraction for the iPhone generation. Available now in paperback, ebook, and audio. Do you want Nico to be nice to you today, or can she just be herself? And Brennan will be muted for this. <laughs> Welcome to Dead Head Space. I am your host, Patrick R. McDonough, joined always by my co-host, Brian LaFaro. Say hi, Brennan. Hello, everybody. And today we are talking to author Nico Bell. Say hi, Nico. Hello. As well as the author, uh, Rowan Hill. Say hi, Rowan. Hi. And this show is a part of Silver Shamrock's Horrorcast, a podcast network that includes Killing Time with Silver Shamrock and Unburying the Dead, a show where we exhume classic horror paperbacks for the new generation. Uh, we had Nico on for the first time on episode 41. That was, uh, that was January of 2021. Um, so I'm going to ask you, Rowan, what we had initially asked her on that one, which is what got you into horror? Hmm. Uh, I would definitely have to blame my father. Um, it's, I think uh, he had the love for it and he would, uh, you know, put something on and then just leave the room for smoke and I would be left there alone. 
And that was probably my gateway into that a child left, not a child, maybe like 10, left alone with a movie and um, being terrified of it. Yeah, that was my that was my start. Brendan, why don't you go ahead, buddy? So, I mean, where does it go from there? How do, how do we get from uh, Rowan, the terrified 10-year-old, to mm-hmm. Rowan, the writer? Well, it was Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I will never forget it. It was, I mean, that's a great movie you, it is yeah that was that was one of the first but i would say i'm actually a sci-fi uh gateway user and from um science fiction because i think science fiction is one of the scariest subgenres of horror because it's all about the speculative future which you know spoiler alert they got right the future did turn out to be terrifying um so I that was probably my move into it is I start out I started out as science fiction and you know event horizon aliens um they were all sort of my start you know uh Patrick and I recently wrote an article together about how well science fiction blends with horror and and you're you're right it's the speculative aspect of here's what it could be like in the future and as much as we would all like to hear you know our novel opening up with hey it's going to be great everybody's going to be happy it's like oh that's cool but not a really good story um Mm -hmm. you know where you have to go with that is that kind of dystopian or that like uh fake utopia where it's like okay yeah everything's terrible everything's scary and you were right they they got that one right on the money Yes. Was it you that I think maybe you posted something like even the science fiction novels that we don't really classify as horror, um, like 1984? Like, I mean, you just add a few murders in there and it's totally horror. Um, I mean, they actually do, of course. Um, But that science fiction is always just one step away from turning horrific at any time, I think. Absolutely. I don't know if that was me, but 1984 is such a good example because Mm -hmm. regardless of what you put that in, I mean, you could, you could probably pluck four or five novels off your shelf easy that fall into the horror genre that don't have scenes nearly as terrifying as the head in a cage with a rat. Um, Mm -hmm. It's Yeah. Yeah. I I still think about that one. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, they, they, they do really just go hand in hand. So, I mean, did, did you find that, uh, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, that initial story I read by you date night ablaze um, and certainly in the Arctic sun, sorry, I'm tiptoeing around spoilers here, but uh, I won't say it. It's so hard, isn't it? it? It's so yeah, hard it is. Night. All right. For, for so son. we'll pretend I didn't bring that up in regards to science fiction, but yeah. um, it's, you know, it. Uh, I would never have guessed that that was your bread and butter, you know, uh, growing up. So as far as, you know, when you set out to write something, um, how conscious is, is it to either, you know, add in tropes from that or completely avoid them? I tried to, well, my, my whole approach is um, like, I want it to be different, obviously, like, no, you don't want to rewrite something. And I think Nico would agree. It's hard to try to discover how you can flip it on its head. 
And so I always, um, I mean, I, I've spent a few times saying, well, what are people expecting? And then how can you do the opposite of that? Um, that's, I mean, that might seem very simple, but it's worked for me so far. I mean, that first story you read, I have done that several times, <laughs> I think. Um, and I find that uh, lots of people do not always expect, actually, I mean, often people do not expect for the buck of five woman running through the forest to be the villain. And that is exciting and nice to find. I mean, if we're really talking about equality here, let's make it a psycho woman, you know, if we're trying to get that uh, equal sexes. Yeah. And, you know, we'll talk more about it in a little bit, but not too much more because again, spoilers. Um, But I I thought, uh, you know, I mentioned to you the other day that uh, I finished in the Arctic sun and Patrick and I were having a a morning discussion about it. And I thought that's a a great example of um, bucking, not tropes necessarily is not the word I'm looking for, but expectations. Mm -hmm. Um, I got to the end there and I, you know, there were some choices that I don't think a lot of writers would would have gone with. Uh, So, you know, they, that's your brand is let's let's confuse the hell out of some people I hope love so. it that'd be nice <laughs> thank you All for right. saying that oh yeah of course so nico um usually when we have a returning guest um you know we don't want to ask them the exact same question again that would be you know kind of boring and now we can encourage people to go back and listen to your uh episode 41 for your answer so we want to know what you've been up to lately since then because that was well over a year ago yeah, it was. Um, you know, I uh, I have my new book, <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm doing a, an anthology with Sonora Taylor, uh, my Diet Riot Fatter Punk anthology with Sonora Taylor. So I've just been really busy trying to uh, put out some good stories. It's been kind of hard, you know, with the world falling around. So uh, it's been a little hard to be creative. So I'm excited to sort of get jumping back into it. I feel like I went through a bit of a lull and now I'm getting back into it and I have some more interesting story ideas I'm going to be exploring this year. Um, So that's kind of what I've been doing, just sort of getting back into it after being sort of on creative hiatus for a little bit. But we also had her on, sorry for cutting off, Brennan. We also had her on uh, two months ago for that self-publishing that's cool, Brennan, that you don't remember yep. that I was. No, 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 no. So here's where I'm going with that. Uh, what I was going to say is Fine. I'm actually really glad that you brought up the anthology because, you know, I we, we had a lot of positive feedback to you being a panelist on that table. But also I know that, you know, the main audience there was people who are writing and, you know, seeking to publish, whereas we might have some people. Um, you know, listening to this episode who gave that a miss because they're more interesting in the reading side than the uh, the writing or publishing side. So I want them to hear uh, your anthology tale too. Fuck you very much, Patrick. Um, so actually, I, I am curious, you know, now that you guys have closed for submissions, um, yes. how's how's that editing processing go- process going? It's going really well. I am so excited and so pleased with the submissions that we got. It was really hard. Sonora and I, you know, we had to turn down. I mean, there were no bad stories, truly no bad stories. It was just a matter of like too many of the same type and 
just um, wanting to make sure we hit the theme and make, you know, that sort of thing. So uh, yeah, editing is going really great now and it's going to be coming out in the summer. And um, I think everybody's going to be really pleased with it. I hope everybody likes it. I, I still feel like there's something for everyone in it. You know, there's some stories that are very like empowering and there's stories where it's just, you know, a fat person in a horror, you know, so, um, <laughs> you know, living their best fat life. So I, I think that um, I hope that people find something in it that they like, because I'm really excited about this project. I know Sonora is really excited about this project, too. Awesome. What what's um in, in regards to splitting the duties? What's the process been like? Did you guys split the stories? Are you both reading every one, making short lists? Yeah, we both read every one. We we sort of both kind of know like where our strengths lie and like publishing because Sonora obviously does you know says experiences self publishing and I do too. So we kind of just naturally went into it with she's going to do this, I'm going to do this. It's been a great partnership. She's been really fantastic to work with. Um, We both read everything. We made our own shortlist. We came together. We had a lot of overlapping. There really wasn't a whole lot of arguing over stories. Our mind was very much (laughs) one when we came to this. Um, Yeah. And so that's going to be coming out in June, hopefully. Uh, We got like a tentative release date in June, but it's on it's on schedule. So definitely this summer. Awesome. We'll be looking for that. Yeah, that sounds exciting. Um, I'm going to jump to you, Rowan, real quick. For those that don't know, uh, you, you, you've been all over the place. You were born in Cali, raised in Australia, and uh, mm-hmm. you taught in the bush of Australia. And then you've done plenty more traveling. So it's my roundabout way of asking. You're like the one person that I bet went onto my website. <laughs> <laughs> well... I just want to know with all of that, what do you think that's done to contribute to uh, your writing? How has that crafted your, your view? Man, it is so easy to, um, well, I mean, I think it probably is like just um, influence for every aspect of life. Once you get world traveled, like Mm. that informs, I mean, just to be more educated in how other people live and where other people live is just such a, it's a privilege like these days. Um, But it's for writing. I mean, clearly it influences my writing because I think half of my stories are set in other countries. Um, And I think that is definitely helpful for distinguishing my stories. Um, I mean, because some, some stories, of course, need to be set in certain places like Diabolica Americana. That was like set where my dad grew up. Uh, in the deep south Mm. and then for I have a story in the slice of paradise that just came out that's set on an Australian beach in the western Australia Um, so I would have to say it probably gives me um, really good leverage of different locations and as to living there it's absolutely a benefit if you can put authenticity into a story mm. like that first story Brennan that you read that's that was a real farm that was how people live out on cattle farms or they call them cattle stations 
out in the western in like the Australian desert. So yeah, I've been I've been everywhere and it is a bonus. I mean, I live on a volcano right now. So, you know, I have like a story <laughs> going that's being made right now about that, um, that hopefully I'll get to one day. But um, I think it's just useful for making different stories that people haven't read. That's awesome. Uh, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, in regards to Date Night Ablaze, you know, you, you said there, there's an authenticity because you, uh, you know, set it somewhere you're familiar with, but it's also, you know, in a country that a lot of the stories from that anthology, which I mean, those anthologies, the Candisha ones, they're always packed with great stuff, mm-hmm. but yours stood out for that. You know, I, I mean, I could, I could write a, a story that play, takes place in India, but there wouldn't, you know, be any authenticity to it beyond, you know, a little bit of Googling, uh, having lived in that area, you know, you use the word leverage, which I think I almost would have felt a little rude using that, but I'm glad you threw uh-huh. it out because that's <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I would have felt you rude, like accusing you of that, but like it's, it's, it, it certainly helps to be able to craft a story that can stand out from the pack. And, you know, when you're looking to write for a specific anthology call, you have to consider that. Like if you're looking, you know, uh, to write a story for like the, the, the beach anthology, I'm willing to bet that they were rolling in stories that were really well written and well done, but just kind of did the same themes and they mm-hmm. had to reject them, not because of the quality, but because of you don't want, you know, your entire anthology to read the same. Um, mm-hmm. And you, you've almost got a nice leg up there. Like, Hey, I can set this uh, on a beach in Australia. I can set this in California. I can, uh, I can set it on the side of a volcano. Um and it, it's a nice way to kind of stand out from the pack. Mm-hmm. I've actually noticed that a lot of like when you read the bios of a lot of bestsellers lately, they uh, have such a wide array of Nash of like um, like their biographies read like a world atlas like Katronia Ward, like she was born in. South Africa, I think. And she speaks like three languages and she's lived in like a whole bunch of places to end up in London. And, you know, um, obviously Sylvia Marino Garcia, and I can't even remember who I was reading up lately, but I think the worldview is definitely, I, I think that's definitely a emergent type of characteristic amongst um, authors. And it's not, it doesn't always work. I mean, sometimes, I mean, I wrote a, I wrote a book last year. Um, I lived in Thailand in Bangkok for uh, six or seven months in 2013. And I wrote a story and I liked it. It was, um, but you know, it never sold because sometimes people just don't want to read about what in the gutters of Bangkok is like, you know? So it works. Sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. Like people yeah. just aren't interested in that kind of story. Hopefully, one day well, those people are uh, putting out anthologies that all read the same. So, <laughs> well, I mean, some look. I'm just I'm trying to say there's like room for all types of stories, yep. and some are more desirable. Some are more interesting or work better than things that don't. Like the beach was set on. 
um, you know, the Thailand beaches, but it was almost kind of removed from Thailand culture because they had made their own sort of Lord of the Flies culture on that beach. <laughs> um, but it had really nothing to do with Thai culture. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I'd like to jump to uh, your, this is your debut no, uh, book, right? In the Arctic Sun. Mm-hmm. I'd like to talk about that. And the first thing I'm curious about is how did you come up with, I know we're all trying to avoid spoilers. So uh, it's hard. If at any point we do it, someone point it out and we'll cut it out. But uh, yeah. How'd you, how'd you come up with the idea? Cause it's set in Alaska. So Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you've lived there too. No, I've never lived in Alaska. <laughs> no, but I've lived in uh, places that are kind of similarly like out of the way. But um, the the short, the hot short take is I came up with it in a night in bed. <laughs> I uh, I live in a really old, you can probably tell it's, I don't live in a place where it's, I live in an old wine factory, an old Italian wine factory that was built in like 18... 18- 76 and so that's pretty this, damn cool <laughs> it is pretty cool i have a wine room like i'm in the attic right now but i have a wine room like next door that like still has the original press wow but anyway so this part of my house actually is right above my bedroom and it it has mice uh in the summer months and there was a little guy up here one night and he was scuttling around I was like, oh man, I hope that's a mouse. And then I was thinking, what if it's not a mouse? <laughs> what else could it be? <laughs> and so, uh, I don't know. Yeah. The, I mean, the short of it, Pat, is I thought of it all in a night and I wrote it in a month. <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> wow. I mean, it's only, it's only like 39,000 words. Um, that's a lot but, in a, for a month. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, only like it. I mean, anybody a thousand, fifteen hundred words a day. That's that's nothing for for some people yeah. if they have time. Um, She's bragging. It, <laughs> oh, I do not have time now. Arrogant that was old. That was old. Roman. <laughs> <laughs> so carefree to just write forty thousand words in a month. <laughs> um, but. I mean, that's, it's just, it's a spark of, and then our imagination takes it. And when you're lying in bed and you're an insomniac, you know, that's, I feel like that's most writers actually, probably Nico can agree with me on that. That's very true. Yes. Yeah. You just lie lie in bed waiting for sleep and then something catches that imagination and your brain kind of runs with it. And then you spend another three hours thinking over it. Yeah. But um, to answer your question, it started out with a mouse above my bedroom. Okay. <laughs> not, not so interesting, but not a total flop, right? Sorry, Pat. I thought you had a follow-up to that. Um, so what, what, what I thought was very um, grabbing about it that's a terrible word but it's sunday morning but what what grabbed me was the atmosphere um mm-hmm. you know had i wanted to i wanted to ask the same question patrick just did about if you had ever lived or spent time in either you know alaska or 
uh, anywhere where they have that kind of phenomenon where it's like, oh, great, the sun has been up for 23 hours. Cool. Um, because it, it captures that. Uh, and it reminded me of the movie Insomnia um, mm-hmm. with Robin Williams and Al Pacino and the way that the environment, you know, not not you know, you you hear that like, oh, the city is a character, but the environment comes a character because it impacts the way that everybody interacts, the way that people make decisions because they're cranky because the sun is pouring through their window at 3 Um, a.m. And I thought that was such a great choice, only uh, kind of furthered by that, the brilliant Don Noble cover that you have, that you you look at it and you actually have to squint your eyes. I mean, I don't know how he did that. that off with art. That's something. He's, he's excellent. Yeah. 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 I, um, yeah, I had the idea for making it like the cover art, like inverse, but he, that son was all Don Noble. That was good. Yeah. I know you have to, like, you can't actually stare at it for too long. I thought, I was like, how did, how did, how do you do that with like just paint? Like, anyway. Um, what was your question? <laughs> I didn't really have one. I was just commenting oh, on the cover. Uh, so I could say that, uh, you know, what do you think of the cover? You love it. That's great. Wonderful. Do you um, know what? I When I saw that, I was like, oh, that's different. Is that good or bad? Like, I did honestly, I did not know what to think of it, like, for the first, like, five minutes. Because it kind of has, like, 70s vibes, right? Like, you think of, like, my, my yeah. husband, he's like, oh, that's funky. I'm like... Don't use that word. <laughs> Don't use the word groovy. <laughs> like, and I actually had to send it to my brother-in-law. In a, he's like a, a in a publisher in one of the big four publishers. And I was like, "What do you think of this?" Like, he's like, "It's different." I'm like, "Good, <laughs> good." Publisher, publishers are publishing is covers are so hard to anticipate mm. but yes i do like it after like five minutes i was like oh i love this yeah do you ever ask him advice on really any aspect of writing or do you feel kind oh, of like do you know he, what he is a marketing guy mm. and so you would think like yeah i have a i have an in for uh some sort of into the big four like, no not at all <laughs> was, i was just wondering if you very not you helpful, his brain <laughs> I would love to pick his brain too. Uh, I think he gave me, he gave me some advice on query letters, but then he admitted that he really didn't know much. So he pointed me into, uh, oh, into, me into another person, but uh, no, it's actually not that big of uh, help. I mean, you can always ask for like, what are your thoughts, but uh, right. for solid ends. No, <laughs> I wish, <laughs> I wish my aunt's uh, her sister. I don't know her, but um, her sister, one of the Marians of the family, she is, she used to work at Little Brown, and my my uncle um, would go to her for because he writes short stories. Um, I think they're really good, but he isn't kind of just like writes and doesn't really have social media or anything. Kind of just does his own mm-hmm. thing. Old school. Yeah, so he goes to her for um, notes, and and this is probably close to ten years now, and and I looked at the notes she gave him it's all covered in red ink and back then i was like oh my god that's so scary but (laughs) nowadays i'd be like hell yeah that's making it better um okay can we talk about the story a little bit i'm not sure where we go but is there do you have like maybe an elevator picture or something that potential readers might 
um, be interested in hearing about the story without spoiling it. <laughs> That's bold. Nobody's you know, ever said no I... before. Thank you. You, you don't no, have I to do agree. Not... You can say no. I do fuck not you. Have an elevator pitch lined up. But I would, you know, when I was first kind of thinking about it, I was like, what can I like compare this to? I was thinking like it was like an Arctic Gothic Babadook. Like, you know, it's Ooh. like one, it's one woman who is kind of questioning her own sanity and only getting like glimpses of something weird and like slowly losing her mind. Um, but not enough that you think anything about it. Like you have to kind of believe her. That was the only comparison I could really think of. Um, so, but I do, I do, I mean, I will say it's a creature feature. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love creature features. So that's, yeah. you like, if you like creepy creature features and atmosphere, I'm your girl. <laughs> you, is there a particular, Brendan, jump in after buddy. Um, sure. Uh, is there a particular, cause you talked about your dad, how he was kind of the one that um, would watch the horror films. Is there one maybe from the sixties or seventies? Cause like that's when the creature features were kind of rampant. Um, is there one that sticks out that you really love maybe still to this day for a movie? Your features. Do you know, I think, I think they do such a much better job of creature features these days. Hmm. Um, like in, like from when I was a teenager in the like early two thousands, those are the ones that really, and even like the B grade ones are pretty good. A creature feature that sticks out in my mind. No, no, I don't have a creature feature that sticks out in my mind when you ask me off the top of my head. No, not at all. Sorry. That's all right. <laughs> Brett, <laughs> Brett, go ahead. One in like five minutes. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, like when I've gone on a few podcasts as a guest and uh, I'll know the answers. But then like when I'm asked a question about something I should know for me my mind kind of goes blank like shit i'm on the spot so like i i'm sorry for doing that to you <laughs> well you know i mean i'd have to say it you when you think of science fiction you don't actually think of a lot of these things a lot of the villains as i mean you say creature feature and i think oh the aliens in alien that's a creature feature like that mm -hmm. tiny little face hugger that runs around after a kid in a red room when they're locked in there that's totally a creature feature sure um but because it's the main like antagonist we and it's an alien we don't always classify it as a creature feature it's just an alien but i mean what are aliens <laughs> but yeah. creatures um yeah. so i would that would be the thing that comes to the top of my head and they're scared so <laughs> That would that would be something you ask me off the cuff. I say, oh well, the aliens out of Alien. It's a good answer. Yeah, and another really good example of that, and it, it, one of those things that I certainly wouldn't bill as a creature feature, though it absolutely is, is like the original Starship Troopers. Like mm, those, those alien bugs are yes. terrifying as hell, and they yes. are absolutely creatures. <laughs> yeah, that was that was actually one of my that was my uh, yeah roughnecks. 
and Johnny Rico. Yeah. That was one of the first science fiction books I ever read as a teenager. It was good too. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so, you know, you mentioned that uh, in your story that the main character kind of is, is billed as, um, you know, having, uh, I forget how you phrased it and I'm going to butcher it, but uh, basically she is a little concerned that she's losing it more, you know, aptly everybody around her is a little concerned that she's losing it. And what, you know, we mentioned earlier that there's a lot of decisions in here that they're bold. Not everybody would make them. And, you know, we start seeing the way these characters begin to react and you almost get like an eye roll, like, Oh, I know what that guy's going to do next. And then it doesn't go that way. Um, and yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, and I, 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 well, that, that was my thought anyway. Um, I I mean, I guess I'm the author, so I don't (laughs) see it from the like unused eye. Like I've read it a million times. So that's so interesting. Yeah, no, and unfortunately, I would just have to dance around the pronoun game, uh, you know, in order to give you specific examples while we're recording. But mm-hmm. um, I, I think that there are certain moments where you just expect a character to do one thing and then it, you know, you feel like, oh, I've seen this movie. And then it, you know, the character does something else. Um, and then when we get down to the end, of course, um, there's... there's a a way of looking at that end. And, you know, I would argue, we can certainly cut this if you consider it a spoiler. It's Mm -hmm. an ambiguous ending, but there are clues sprinkled throughout to allow you to kind of draw a conclusion. And it is not the conclusion that I expected it would be. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's that's my take. I'm done tiptoeing. My feet are getting tired. (laughs) Now I'm curious how you interpret it. Well, I think you can make a case. You can make, you can certainly make a case Either way, I feel yeah, like yeah. we could just, you could make a case. I'm curious though, like what case Pat, you made. Pat, <laughs> cut this out, okay? I, I really think that you should just cut it where she says, hold on, Patrick, can you cut this part out and then play five <laughs> minutes of hold music? <laughs> I have no idea where to dive back in, honestly. Let me read we, we, we before you get back into the man. part where Rowan is eviscerating me with looks as I try to describe the plot of her book. No, I just <laughs> I'm so, not McDonough this morning. Oh, you fucker! I'm not a verb for that. <laughs> I have been waiting for someone to like to get thoughts on like was this like what yeah. like what was the ending like what happened yeah and everyone survives in the end. Yay. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> I love a happy ending. <laughs> now for happy. for those listeners that had just listened to that elevator music, well guess what? If you want to find out what happened in Rowan's book, you got to read the book. Damn, that is a plug. Great job. Really well done. <laughs> All right. So um, I, I kind of want to throw a question to both of you uh, before we jump sideways and talk about Nico's book. Uh, you you both have one of the reasons we have you both on this month is because your books are both coming out through D&T Publishing. And unless I'm wrong, this is your first experience working with them. Uh, what's it been like? Nico, let's throw it to you. Uh, it's been it's been good. You know, um, it was my first time working with them. And you know, Don has really been very communicative and, um, you know, she 
this has always been really helpful with the questions that I have about the whole process. And I've really, I really enjoyed it from start to finish. I'm really grateful that they liked my story. I did it through um, PitMad. And so that was an incredible opportunity. And yeah, I mean, I have nothing but positive things to say about it. Wait, before Ron goes, actually, PitMad, because um, you get the way I always bring this up because I think it's worth repeating. You never know who's listening, when they'll listen. And you also never know if someone is super new and they've always wanted to be a writer don't know where to start so pit mad that sounds like a great place can you no. can you kind of... all right well pit mad just died yeah they yeah. died unfortunately yeah. Damn it. So, <laughs> so the so they've been around for about 10 years and they were a volunteer organization where you know every couple handful of months you could go on and you could pitch and it was an incredible opportunity and it sounds like it was just an enormous amount of work and of course being on the internet in general is problematic for people you know with social media and drama and i think that they had just you know with covid and with their own families that they have to take care of like everything just became a lot for them for volunteering and so from mm. what it sounds like they had to unfortunately shut it down now i've had so many like when i read that tweet that pit mad is no longer with us like man did it hit me hard <laughs> because my opportunities have come through pit mad and i always felt like it was such a big equalizer in our community to be able to get our stories out to agents but the good news is that it's not the only pitch out there that you can do. There's other pitches. So um, I would encourage everybody to like kind of do a little bit of research. A lot of people, once that PitMad announcement was made, were making threads on other pitches that they can do, other contests out there. So there's still opportunity out there. But um, yeah, 10 years is a long time to be doing something as a volunteer in this community. And then with, you know, everything happening in the world the past couple of years, obviously they're tired. <laughs> so I understand that they didn't want to, you know, that this had to shut down, but um, man, it, it, I think it's going to leave a hole in the community, but that's just a testament to how well it was run and how much we all loved so much of what they were doing. So it's sad. It's certainly sad. It, is Pit Dark an offshoot of that, or is that something different? Yeah, you could say Ronnie. <laughs> so you're not. It it no, is, I mean, I, I didn't associate Pit Dark with the pitch wars crew. Mm. I think it's, I think it's just its own anomaly. Right. Yeah. I think Nicole it is. Yeah. I, I think that it is, or I think there's, there is one like a pit mad or, or not pit mad. There's one pit something for horror <laughs> that still exists. I'm it's pretty pit, sure. It's dark pit it, or pit dark. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. And there is for science fiction as well. And then just like general contests. So they're all out there. We just might have to do a little um, searching for it this first year. Mm-hmm. And then you can always query agents. I mean, there's plenty of people out there who, you know, find their agents by just querying. And a lot of, you know, small presses have submission calls regularly. So there's still opportunities. I had to remind myself that when I read that tweet, because it was like, it was just, it hurt. <laughs> it hurt. Uh-huh. You know, because I mean, that's how I met Dawn. I mean, that's how I got, you know, this, this opportunity um, was through it. So yeah, but I'm really grateful for everyone who ran it. I can't imagine 10 years of volunteering for that because that was a big undertaking. So they did a lot of really great stuff for the community. That's awesome. I it's, it's a, <laughs> well, like a good horror, you know, they're going to come back. They aren't. <laughs> that's a bad joke. Um, it is called Pit Dark. It's uh, if you're looking for it, it's on Twitter. It's uh, spelled like it sounds, followed by an underscore. 
So P-I-T-D-A-R-K underscore Pit Dark. They also have on their bio when the next event will be. Uh, it's really informative. They have their website on their bio. So check that out if you're interested. Brennan. No. Okay, so Rowan, throw it, let's say something. Let's throw it to Maybe. you. Working with with D and T, tell us about it. I mean, ditto to everything Nico said. I can't really add anything. Um, you know, I I know Nico, you had a little bit of you did food fright, right? Yeah. With um, unnerving, unnerving. Yes, I mean, I would say how. I mean, I would. Is it is it rude to ask how they differed? How your experience differed? Is that controversial? No, I mean, they, they were, they were both really great. Like, I just think I've gotten really lucky to work with some really fantastic people who believed Mm -hmm. in the stories and were really excited to put them out. So, yeah, I can't really add anything. I will say, um, I, I guess my experience with Dawn is because I'm a total noob. Like I haven't, I haven't, um, I've only done short stories and this was actually one of the, like the third, um, they were the third indie publisher I pitched my um, in the Arctic Sun to, and uh, it was like within a week or within two weeks, like Don had gotten back to me and said, "Hey, I'm interested." And then I like I accidentally was off email and Twitter for like one day, taking a break, and then she, <laughs> like she's like, "Hey, are you are are you into I'm into you? Are are you into me?" <laughs> And I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> um, but she was pretty great. Uh, like, I don't know, with tweaks and things I like, I sent her my final version. And then I thought of something I wanted to add that was Tolkien-esque. And I read it. I'm like, sorry, 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 sorry. I'm like sending you the final, final version. And she's like, she was, she's very accommodating. So I would recommend them in the future. Awesome. All right. So Nico. Let's jump to your book, Beyond the Creek. Uh, I'm going to have you give a synopsis, if you are willing. Um, not everybody <laughs> sure. is. But uh, I, I have to tell you, I was really surprised when a giant talking croissant showed up in the middle of it. It seemed a little <laughs> out of place in this book, but it was It shows it up in for all me. my stories. It's oh. fine. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, so this one is about a young woman named Alex who is escaping from an abusive past. She finds uh, a new beginning in a small town in Virginia, which is actually the neighboring town of the town in Food Fright. Because while Rowan writes stories all around the world, I centralize in central Virginia. That is where all my stories are set. Um, You in Virginia? Yeah, well, yeah, like that's a very special state for me. (laughs) I'm moving to Virginia in a few months. Oh my gosh, we should talk because I've lived all over Virginia, Um, but I love the rural area. And so it's continue, continue. (laughs) Alex is in Virginia. That's also where uh, Scares of Care is held, too. So that's something to think about. Yes, Mm -hmm. it is. Yes. Um, Yeah. So she um, starts it over a new life in Madison, Virginia, and she. Uh, gets a care keeper position at this really eccentric family's house and they find out that they have a deadly secret dun, 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 um, <laughs> that she finds that she's not exactly as safe as she thought she was so that is my synopsis good one absolutely you said it very and, well too like i feel like i was right, so, stuttering if it was me 
I've practiced that many times <laughs> because once you publish right. a book and I'm sure, you know, and like everybody asks what's it about. Yeah. So you say like the same sentences over yeah. and over again. Yeah. I, I never got happy with that. I never, I, I never, you know, nailed down a version that I was happy with. So I have like, you know, 10 half hearted attempts out there, but it, you, you piece them together. You get a good look at the yeah. story. Yeah. Um, so what, what I like about this now, I'm ready to give you my bad take on your story. Um, it's a Mine's theme much yeah, more going straightforward, I have to say. Like, well, there really you is no one here to yours. What I really liked about yours, you know, because obviously the the most, uh, the, the piece of yours I'm most familiar with is going to be Food Fright, which is just off the fucking walls. And this, the beginning of this one, it's much more quiet. And it almost has... Uh, you know, with with the, you know, emerging of the secret and the, uh, you know, the odd happenings at the house, it almost has this gothic flavor to it when I was like, wow, this is, you know, Nico's showing a different side. She, look at look at these chops. That's awesome. And it's like, nah. <laughs> well, yeah, but it does have its off the wall. It does have its everything goes nuts moments. Um, and that is such a hard balance to pull off. I, you know, I'm sure that you guys have read many a book that, you know, has a uh, pretty dynamic shift in tone. And it's like, oof, that didn't work. It does here. It oh, does yes. here. Um, and it's, uh, you know, I'm just anticipating that everything you write from here on forward is going to have at least one loud moment, if not, you know, be completely and utterly packed because, you know, exclamation, exclamation mark horror is... Nico Bell's Wait, brand. What the fuck? Did you just make that up? I love I it. That it's is cool. Now. It's yours. I'm taking it. I'm Trademark. Gonna... Yeah. You know, it's funny because with this book, I really did set out to do something more serious because I like I feel like I have two sides of my horror personality, which is the B horror croissants coming to life, and then like very, very serious, um, dark stuff that would probably disturb a lot of people. And I wanted to tap more into that side. But like, I just love the over the top stuff. And I think it just came out regardless. Um, and this, I'm working on a new project now. It's a historical horror. And again, I was like, we're going to do it. We're going to tap into this dark side of me. We're going to show something different. And man, that love of like over the top, crazy bonker stuff, like just naturally just comes into the stuff. So yeah, I mean, you're just going to get what you get. <laughs> And I hope you like it. <laughs> but but when the bonkers moments come in, because you establish a lot of very serious themes early on, and when the bonkers moments come in, you don't lose the themes. It's not just like, hey, I, I wrote like half a, uh, a really like uh, deep and, you know, heartfelt story. And now I'm just going to throw some shit at you. Um, it's, <laughs> it, it keeps it going. Um, and like I said, that's where it strikes that, or that's where it struck that balance for me of, you know, we have a, a, wild shift in tone but we're not sitting there with with whiplash saying what the fuck just happened um it's it, it worked it, re it really did i thought it was fantastic you know patrick mentioned uh off the air that we love both these books and yeah absolutely these were both five star reads for me and that was and any month where I can hit two, you know, books back to back, and it's like, ah, oh, that was fantastic. I loved this. And I, you know, pick up the next one. Ah, oh, that's fucking fantastic. I loved all of this different stuff. I mean, that's that's just another win for me. So thank you for both of you for for uh you know really helping out my January reading. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, it's Patrick, I, I, wanna, 
<laughs> well, I just kind of wanted to touch on, we talked a whole lot about food fright when we had Nico on the first time. And um, when did we read that? Was that, that was probably like a year, a little over a year ago. I know you were on a year ago, but we read it a little bit before that. And uh, I'm just bringing that up because I still think about it. It's such a fun book. I'm not saying I hope you write a sequel, but I hope you write a sequel or something in that nature because, you know, not every book, because I, I do see this come up sometimes online, not every book has to be deep and, and, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to come off insulting, but not every book has to be this big philosophical thing. Like, books can just be entertaining. And for me, that as just speaking for this reader, that's what it was. It was fun. It got my mind just sucked into your world. And it, it just made me laugh. It made me smile. And it was just a really cool book. It also was really neat how, and we talked about this on your episode, it was just females. And I thought that was really cool too, because you got a whole array of them. Some suck, some are kick-ass, some are silly. Um, and then you come out with Beyond the Creek. Uh, I don't want to retread everything that Brennan just said, but you just talking about how you're working on a historical book now i'm really interested i want to read that i don't care what the topic is like you the first two books i read about you they're great um oh, and great. thanks and that me- makes me go to you rowan um i'm excited to see what you got next uh so if you both are well you already told us yours um rowan would you kind of want to explore a little bit more about what you're working on right now uh. <laughs> Well, you just reminded me that I still have like 50,000 words to edit. Whoa. <laughs> um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do my uh, piece de la resistance that I hope is going to turn into something big. I wrote, um, so my, my family is from like the deep South of Arkansas. And so I'm um, like, like, you don't know how deep it is. <laughs> and um, Tell us, so I want to know. Oh, oh uh, well, my father comes from a little town. Uh, he was born in a place called Biomeda, and they pronounce Bayou different in this part of the state. Mm. So I pronounce it as Bio. And um, it's, it's like I'm trying to write it light Southern Gothic. So um, but I've also have loved the slashers that have come out in the last like two years. So I'm trying my hand at a Southern Gothic slasher. Oh my God. And, I'm so um, I know. Um, and I, uh, I mean, do I tell you everything about it? It might never come to fruition. It might be total crap. You could, you <laughs> could let, if you want, um, you could just leave it at that. And like that, I really do think if you say slasher, there's certain subgenres where people are, oh. people are interested. Well, uh, I will say, uh, so I titled it uh, Horror's Daughter, and it's about a um, young woman who is a former child actor, and her father is like the John Carpenter of uh, Arkansas, and she's now stuck in uh, her, she's stuck in the pits of Arkansas, and uh, she's actually do you know what there's a similar theme of mental illness in this book um so uh, i'll i'll leave it at that it's right now it's at like 100k and i'm editing it and i hope i hope to go into the query trenches in a few 
months, hopefully. I don't know. I need a I need a beta reader to like tell me like to rip it apart, you know. So <laughs> tell me Invaluable. what works and doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know what? On air, we haven't talked about mental illness. So if you guys want to tackle that, please do. If not, we can go on to the next thing. So does anyone well, want to touch upon that? I mean, I will say this about mental illness. Um, I have I have only had, you know, my brief bouts with depression. Um, I can only remember like two or three times being like in a, a state where I was like, oh, this is this is depressed this is what depressed feels like and um but i will say it is such an interesting concept that the one thing that makes everyone unique you know their personality and their brain can actually just betray you one day um yeah. i mean it's it's the one thing that should be constant and just the the mental i mean i i say it's i say it's intriguing and very interesting but the, the thing is, is that it's really horrific right um but it's i find that aspect of mental illness to just be so horrific and i think that's what makes it hard to me is that it your own brain can betray you for for what <laughs> because of chemicals and in, in your body and or trauma like because something happened to you, it means your whole structure is altered forever. That's that's hard to me. That does touch on what we talked about earlier, which is sci-fi hard. Because I mean, mm-hmm. think about it. I mean, I'm not. I'm coming from an ignorant place, but I I do know enough mm-hmm. about that. We don't know very. We probably know less about our brain than we realize. Um, I kind of view it like the ocean or a rainforest. We know the outline, we know networks of it, but we probably only know a small percentage mm-hmm. of it. Um, mm-hmm. there's... I would like to hear Nico's take. It yeah. sounds like you know so much more than I do, Nico. Yeah, well, um, you know, mental health issues run in my family. I have an issue. Um, it's something that I do plan on one day writing about. I have a story to tell one day. Uh, it's hard, certainly. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stigma attached to it. And, um, you know, to be, uh, you know, it's hard because I also feel like not a lot of people believe you when you say, you know, how hard it is, how when I say I can't get out of bed in the morning, when I say, like, if you knew how hard it was for me to get out of bed this morning <laughs> alone, you know, like, I don't, I don't think people would truly believe me. You know, and that that's just my brain. I'm sure people would believe me. <laughs> um, so to be able to to write about it is very much therapeutic. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I'm always interested, frankly, when people write about it in their horror and in any genre and to see how they interpreted it and if it's realistic or not, or if it's like, you know, they use it as like a cheesy cliche, which you do not. I just, uh, you know, but you certainly have all read those type of things where it's like, I actually did an article about this, I think a couple of years ago of like the worst representation of mental health and horror, you know, mm-hmm. where it's really just like, we don't know how to make this character unreliable. So we're going to give her bipolar. You know what I mean? Things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do feel like now that I do feel there's starting to be a bit of a shift in mental health with, the help of social media, people are coming forward and showing their lives and being like, 
this is what bipolar depression, whatever looks like. And so the more we get of that, the less cliche we get of our characters, which mm. is great. <laughs> um, so all that being said, you know, I personally, I feel like I kind of have like a wall up that one day I want to jump over and write a story about, but it's very hard. <laughs> so it probably won't be for a while. Um, but I, I do enjoy seeing other people explore that as long as it's done respectfully and without, like I said, cliche. Um, and I think mm-hmm. we definitely are doing that much more now than we were before. Yeah. Not only is it better, but, you know, there's a better understanding. Like you mentioned, uh, the number of pieces that throw, you know, bipolar disorder or schizophrenia in as a crutch without fully understanding it or even really fully trying to understand it. You know, it's I I wouldn't say we have a perfect understanding of either, but it's definitely come a long way. And the other piece of that is, is if you do throw it in as a crutch, you're more likely to never have that story necessarily hit the, uh, you know, bookstore phase. Somebody's going to catch that along the way. An editor, uh, an early reader is going to catch that and be like, uh, hey, that's not what bipolar means or that's not how this disorder would present in, you know, a human. Um, and so, I mean, I, I think it's it's trending in the right direction, but there's always going to be, you know, room for respect to grow. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if you look at some of the earlier stuff, like earlier movies, you know, you just see like, oh, we need a character that can hear things that aren't there. We're going to make them schizophrenic. We're going to, you know, we're going to make them paranoid. And I see that we are moving in a better direction now, you know, so that's good. It's like if you can't see it, like I got I got scars from childhood accidents on my body and you could see those. And if you tell someone about it, they can be like, oh, okay, I get that. But if you tell them, like, I got ADHD, and in effect, it still is. I'm still working it out because I'm still not on exactly the right medication, but I'm working on that with my therapist. And my my point of bringing that up is, you know, the neural neurological issues or, or whatever they're uh, – we got a long way to go, but it's stuff like this for guests that are comfortable talking with it. I like doing it because there's a stigma attached. My wife's a social worker and it's made me very, she's helped educate me on it. And, um, and, and I, she's opened my eyes to see how, whether people mean to or not, that it comes across as really disrespectful and damaging when you have that, uh, like you said, Nico, on on movies where it's like he's the bad guy because of that. Like that's not who the person is. Um, like if I have a broken leg or or whatever, um, I'm not, I'm not the broken leg guy. You know, like there's so much more to me. And just one more thing, and I'll get off my high horse. But um, if you start telling stories where someone that has something um, that you can't see. Uh, if a, if a kid starts hearing about it, they start understanding it. You start teaching that the world, the next generation, they're going to be better. They're going to be more loving. And how isn't that going to make a better world? So thank you guys for talking about this. It, it, it means a lot. Uh, it affects my family too. And I don't talk about that a whole lot. So, uh, on or off here. Um, so seriously, I appreciate that. Um, Brennan, I don't know where we go from here. <laughs> <laughs> We, uh, we we lighten a little bit and we point out uh, the beautiful. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll take a question. Um, Nico, you were once a romance writer. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Actually. Okay. So I did start a romance, like erotica romance, and then I turned to Christian romance. (gasps) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Now a few Uh things about the Christian romance industry. (laughs) Uh I mean, romance has rules. We all know romance has rules, right? Mm -hmm. Christian romance is a whole different set of rules. I mean, they have like more rules that you have to do. Tell me everything. (laughs) Unfortunately, I don't fit in with those rules because mm-hmm. I write a lot of queer romances. I don't know if you guys have noticed from my stories. There's always like, there's like 90% <laughs> of my stories have a queer romance in them. So, <laughs> um, so my goal when I wrote Christian Romance was to be that writer, was to be a what I call progressive romance writer. I went to conferences. I talked to agents. I pitched them. I told them my policy like my political values um so they knew what they were getting into when they sat down and talked to me right and uh i was i I had some very interesting conversations with agents about being gay like homosexuality and stuff at these very conservative christian because i was like look i have this story and it has a gay character and he's gonna find out that he is perfect the way he is God loves him, that he does not need to change. And I got a mixed reaction <laughs> to that. But at the end of the day, it was very much like you were climbing an uphill battle. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like This is not going to sell. Um, so, and, and also I was killing off main characters. And honestly, like Happily Ever After is very, very big in the romance world. So you can't just like kill off heroes, which I was doing very frequently. I mean, mostly with like terminal illnesses, but still, you know, so so that was a bit, I did it for like five or six years. Like I was really into it, uh, but you know, not surprisingly, it didn't (laughs) pan out. I got short stories published. I did get some awards, some very big awards. It's all under a different name. So I don't say what they are. (laughs) Got it. But I got enough like validation that I can be a writer and take those skills to where I can write as many queer romance subplots yeah. as I want and it's like and as many like affirming stories that I want and I can kill off as many people as I want. <laughs> and it's all good. But it's yeah. encouraged even. <laughs> it is encouraged, yeah. Do you guys <laughs> see the irony in that? Like she's writing in a genre where it should be about love, which is, it should be love is love, but you're getting you, so, metaphorically put in the closet with certain things. And then you go to horror and you're like, here I am, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> and we are all, we are all accepting you and loving it. I will say that the people I talked to, the agents I talked to, most of them were nice. And I had one that was like very, very lovely about it. He was like, you know, I was trying to publish this nonfiction of a bunch of different denominations sitting around talking about hot topics. And it was very open and inclusive. And I can't get anyone to buy it. He's like, I just can't do it, you know? So, um, so, and then I had some that were like, really arguing with me on some issues. (laughs) And, uh, oh boy, that time in my life was fun. So, um, Yeah, I just feel much more um, at home in in horror. And honestly, I belonged there all along. Like, I really was killing off people at an alarming rate. (laughs) I really did kill a lot of people. (laughs) Really, really did 
result in a lot of deaths. So yeah. I mean, I was really freaking out my critique partners. So yeah. I'm getting like a, like a sense of misery. I don't know why we're not talking about a crazy fan, but like, yeah, the murders, the romance, the romance writer somewhere in there. I have a pig. So (laughs) I will say that my historical horror that I'm writing right now is based on a romance. It's a two women and they are, so my ancestors are all from Italy, most of them, and they came over through Ellis Island. And I wanted to kind of honor them somehow eventually in a story. So this is, I don't know if this is really going to honor them, but the intention is there. Um, so like these two women are on their, their ship to um, Ellis Island and their new lives. And one is like rich and one is in the steerage and they um, fall in love. And there's like class differences and it turns into an infatuation gone terribly wrong, like a basic instinct type thing. Um, and then they get to the Island and worse stuff happens. So I still do put romances and stuff. They just turn out not so great for everybody involved, <laughs> but this one's going to have much more. Yeah. This, <laughs> this one's going to have much more of a romance thread in it. So yeah. Something to look forward to. <laughs> awesome. It's queer romance, which is loud and valid and beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Well, exclamation marks. Yes. Uh, now, <laughs> I just, I don't know if we pointed out, you said that, Rowan, you said that you're living on the side of a volcano, but it is in Italy, which, you know, there's a connection between you two there, too. Oh, there um, we go. <laughs> I do got to point out that this episode was Brian's idea to pair you two. And uh, just for, you know, people listening, Brennan, why why uh, Rowan and Nico? Well, I mean, it was mostly because we had their books to uh, coming at us around the same time. They were both, you know, publishing buddies. Um, and they're just such nice, wonderful people. And yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There was, I don't know if I've ever seen you two interact online. Not that you haven't. I just, had, I don't know if I've seen it, but it just seemed like you guys would bounce nicely off each other. And we could have this almost like fake panel episode. Um, and, you know, with Rowan jumping in with questions, with Nico uh, jumping in with, you know, uh, talking about Rowan's book. I, I think, I think this is exactly what I was hoping for. I could talk all day, guys. Yes. (laughs) Go ahead, Ron. No, no, no. I I don't think I I would like more interaction um, with Nico. Um, You know why I always pull back when I'm with you guys, Patrick and Brennan, because um, I'm a little sassy at times. And I feel like (laughs) like really you two bring the sassiness out of me more so than literally any other podcast I've I don't know why I feel like you're like brothers you know almost so like I don't know if you guys I don't know if you guys appreciate that so I tend (laughs) to like pull back like the more I'm like on your show like the more I'm gonna start like pulling back and back and back because like I don't know know if it's translating as like lovingly like little sister as in my head it translates so I don't know. No, I think you're fine. I think you're okay. fine. I've thought about, you know, pulling back and being nicer to him, but it's not as much fun. And then I wouldn't want to come. Um, I, I don't know what it is about me, but yeah. Um, <laughs> and I don't say this in a mean, malicious way towards myself, but I am a target. And I, I got that face that you don't want to punch, but you want to throw shots at. <laughs> and thank you. That is a call. Yeah, just being so comfortable. Like you guys are comfortable with awesome. each other. You make us comfortable. That's so amazing. like, I feel like I can just 
you know, just jump ahead in our, you know, relationship to where I just get to the real Nico, just like, <laughs> yeah, being I don't want, sassy with you. I don't want to speak for Brennan, but we do view you as a friend and Brennan, I often call him a big brother and I'm not, that's not just like, we're good friends. I, he is one of my dearest friends in the entire world and that's that, so thank nice. you. Yeah. And Ron, you're super sweet too. So that, thank you. Nico, mm. be yourself. That's what we want. That oh, we gotta start over then because uh, oh geez, <laughs> just holding back, back. punching All back. Right. Um, oh god, I'm, I'm running. The, the other thing I would throw out, you know, it it, it can be a tough balance because it it you know as much as it would have been really um you know excellent to give you guys each you know ninety minutes, two hours to focus on just your book. We like to, you know, get beyond the review phase and just get into the conversation that you can have face to face that you just can't get the nuance from uh, interacting in 280 characters or less. And, you know, I've had a blast this morning. I've had a blast talking to you guys. And, you know, not that we wouldn't have had fun talking to just Nico. Maybe if she showed up, you know, trying to hold back, we wouldn't have had as much fun. But, uh, you know, and then, you know, again, not that we wouldn't have had a good time talking to Rowan, but it's that the the interaction between you two that just makes this a fun conversation between friends who, you know, mm-hmm. respect each other's work um, and just want to talk horror, just want to talk books, uh, have something insightful to say about you know, let's take a step back and have a serious conversation for a minute. And we can do that because we can, you know, look each other in the eyes and respect each other's opinions. And then let's go back to just making jokes. You know, I, you, you can't beat that. Yeah. Right, I will ask you, did you read, did you read in the, the acknowledgement section all the way to the end? I did. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I was going to say something off air. I, that was, makes, that really touched you know. me. Thank you. That made, oh, me, that made me smile. Yeah, uh, well, for... I mean, it is, uh, there, there is the like one of the defining moments where like you have that elation, like it's almost as good as when you get an acceptance, and it's like someone fucking likes me. Talk, and it was, uh... talk about it, talk, talk about what it is, so people that haven't read it yet know what it is. Oh, um, I, uh, Brennan, like, gosh, maybe over a year ago, I forget, um. He was reading the Kandisha Press, um, the third volume, and he came across my story and he singled it out on air and uh, was like, yeah, this is one to look out for. And I'm like, well, thank you. And and, uh, yeah, it makes it. I mean, it's so strange. It's like just saying a person's name and saying you like their story. And that is can make all the difference to a writer, I think. So yeah, it's uh yeah, two people in my memory like like actually sought me out to say, hey, this is pretty great. You are doing good. And I was like, yeah, okay, that's all I needed. I'll I'll keep doing this for another 20 years with that little to no results. And that'll that's what I'll live off. That's what I'll eat. Right, though. <laughs> it's it's so necessary because it's like, you know, if, uh-huh. if if you and I had interacted online, it was very at that point, it was very limited. Um, mm. but just to have you know, somebody that you, you know, cause you, you're, you're, you end up buddy, buddy with so many people, even if it's mm-hmm. just through online interactions that it's like, you know, when somebody posts about your book, you're like, Oh, that's nice. That's nice. But you know, I know you, you have to say nice things, uh, or at least you have mm-hmm. to not say mean things. But when somebody that you don't really know, you know, jumps in and says, I 
don't know who this person is, but I love mm-hmm. this story and I can't wait to see what they do next. Like, oh my gosh, like that's that's a high that you just can't touch. <laughs> For real. Yes. Yeah, so thank you. I, I uh, well, thank that you. Was, that, that, that touched was, me. Uh, I love that podcast. This podcast kept me uh, alive through. Uh, you know, for a little while longer. Let me awesome. write some more stories. <laughs> yeah, Brennan. Awesome. We are always looking for potential guests. And Brennan, when he talked about you uh, a year ago, because we talk about like, hey, maybe this person, maybe that person. Um, that's not to say they are interested, but uh, for, you know, the sake of this conversation, he brought you up and we're like, yeah, let's let's see about it. And um, I don't know. do something else. <laughs> yeah. You should. You wrote a good book. We'll see. We'll see. And maybe <laughs> no, one no, day. No, 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 no. We'll see. We'll just. <laughs> I'm trying to root for you. Don't fight against me. Uh, I don't know. I find I find that success. I don't really understand the algorithms for success mm-hmm. in indie publishing yet. Oh, I mean, because it doesn't I mean, exist. <laughs> there is no well, algorithm. There is no pattern. <laughs> there's Stop. been so many good books. Like what? Yeah. Uh, what makes what makes uh, things have gotten worse since we last spoke into any other book? Like, um, you know, is it just engagement or is it like, I mean, we all write great stories. Is it like the subgenre? Is it like just the niche that no one's ever touched on yet? I don't know what makes it. So I'll tell Not you. even Eric knows. Not even probably, probably I'm guessing Sam knows. <laughs> I've talked to Eric about it privately. I, uh-huh. You know, like seriously, um, it's just sometimes lightning in a bottle. Like we had Josh Mellerman on in season one and he was mm-hmm. saying he was at this event where he was standing next to another author and they both have, it's like well, the comment I said to you, um, basically I've been right for this long. I've got so many books out. Whoever, they don't books. No, yeah. who, not me, but like I wrote so many, but with Josh and that story, Josh mm-hmm. wrote so many books and this other guy wrote one book, but they're at the same convention to talk about their experiences if different amount of time. And, and um, he basically Josh said, we all have different paths. That's where it kind of got from. We all mm-hmm. got different walks of life, but you could end up in the same place at a random time. Um, it's just important to know that something I got caught up in for years when I started was um, I don't have anything out and I always compare myself to other people, but that that's going to hurt yourself. Uh, I don't, I don't yeah. know. I'll, I'll go back compare. to apples and oranges. I'll go back to this. You wrote a really good book. Nico wrote a really good book. I hope you both write more because you're going to just keep growing your audience. Hard. This industry is hard. You can have incredible months where you have so much on your plate. You're getting so much wonderful feedback. You're getting jobs. You're getting paid, <laughs> thankfully. And then it all just goes away for six months, a year. You have nothing. Rejection, rejection, rejection. Um, and it is so hard. I was actually thinking about this last night, uh, just how hard it can be sometimes. <laughs> like, just you just feel so envious of people and how that can turn so ugly at times because you just see so many others getting what you want so badly, <laughs> like that you've wanted since childhood. And then every now and then somebody comes out of left field who just like woke up one day and was like, you know what, I think I want to write a book. And then they like <laughs> skyrocket, you know, to the level of success that you've only dreamed of, you know? And so, you know, that's hard. That's hard. Um, 
But I was thinking about it and I was like, you know what? It's okay. It's okay <laughs> because every door they open allows more people to go through. And that's mm-hmm. something like more unique in indie than I feel it is in like the New York publishing houses because we have more opportunity to break the rules and to let more people in and be more inclusive. So, um, yeah, but I, it, it's, it's tough, you know, it's just tough. It's such a roller coaster. You could have like a really, really good streak and then nothing, just, you know, nothing crickets. Nico, no story, you, think, you did an MFA. Do you think it prepared you better for like this, the the publishing industry or is it just purely for writing MFAs? You know, a little bit. Um, you know, I just, I had some really good like professors so that I could like talk to you about it. And I did take a class about what life was like outside. And I think the benefit of my MFA program was that they taught you all different ways that you can use writing. Now that has not helped me get a job at all. I graduated last year and I've literally been looking for a job for an entire year. I've applied for every single, I finished indeed, like we're done. I finished all the job applications. Mm -hmm. I cannot find a job at all. You know, freelance gigs fall through, you know, you get a gig and then poof, gone. (laughs) So, um, but I will say that like my program did at least help me see like all the different ways you could um, splinter off and different avenues that you could go in that I've all explored. If anyone's hiring, hello, (laughs) I'll I'll send you my resume. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's just a hard business, but honestly, I wouldn't trade it. This is all I've ever wanted to be. This is all I've ever wanted to do. I got off track at a very young age, you know, like in my teens and 20s, and I found my way back and I'm never leaving. You guys are stuck with me. Good. Forever. Awesome. Um, Clawing and, at the walls. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Um, just because it, it goes along with what we're talking about, even podcasters, like I can only speak from my own experience, but when I started out, there's a few people I went to that I looked up to that produce podcasts and that was uh michael david wilson for this is horror matt wilderson that ran all of brian keen keen's shows and um shane douglas keen uh they all gave me advice but one that stuck out the absolute most was michael david wilson said you're gonna have ups and downs there's gonna be times when it's just kind of like you said crickets and he goes just keep powering through um it comes in waves and i've seen that um been doing this for almost three years, I think, two years, whatever. Um, And we have times where in our email, we get some confirmations and we're like, holy shit, one after the other. And then there's, there could be a month, there could be two where it's pretty much silent and it could beat you up in those silent moments, but like writing, you just got to keep doing it because you love it. It's a marathon, not a sprint. That's the best way to put that. What I just said in this show. <laughs> um, if it's already right with you guys, I'd like to wrap down with some uh, a few more questions. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I laughed at that, but the way you said it made me laugh. Wrap, uh, wrap your questions. Go ahead. All right, and wrap them. Do, do you want somebody to give you a beat? Oh, I, I took it like wrapping a gift, and you took it like a spit in a rhyme. <laughs> Okay. This is awkward, Brendan. <laughs> We're just going to sit in silence and let you guys work it out. 
right. I actually, I did want to throw out real quick because, uh, you know, we, we talked about uh, Rowan's cover and uh, the wonderful Don Noble did yours as well, Nico. And it's, it's a beauty. Uh, tell us a little bit about creating that. Yeah. Um, so I am not artistic at all. I think I talked about this, I don't know, on your show, maybe when I talked about the Shiver cover art, who Don also, I, yeah, I think he did Shiver as well. <laughs> it's early guys. I don't know. Um, but like when I do, like when I get like a saying cover out, I'm basically like, well, I just want to kind of spooky and here's kind of like the premise and have fun. And that's basically what <laughs> the same thing that happened this time. I was like, I just like, I just, if possible, can we not have like a forest? Cause like obviously beyond the creek, you think a creek, you think trees. I was like, can we just not do that? I was like, can we just do like a person's face and make it kind of like spooky? And then of course, like Don just works his magic and he probably hates like any communication from me at this point because I give like as little words as possible and then he creates something beautiful and it's amazing. Um, but I was really pleased with it. Cause like I said, I wanted something a little bit different than like a forest, which is what I was worried about. Um, and I think he did a really good job. I'm happy with it. That's awesome. Um, uh, Brennan, who do we start with for what are you reading? How about you? Pick? Well, we start, we, we start with uh, introducing what we're going to ask them. We're going to ask, what are you guys reading? So, <laughs> wow. Nico or Rowan? <laughs> Great question. I'll let Which... Nico go. All right. What am I reading? I am reading a book um, that I don't know the title to, so that's super helpful. I think it's like We Are All Voices or something. Okay. It's about, it's written by Evie Green. I might be making that up. But um, it's it was written like in 2019, and it has like a pandemic that wipes like people out. And the beginning of the book, she has like a note to the author that says, basically, like, I'm so sorry. Obviously, I did not know what was happening. <laughs> this is not a COVID book. <laughs> um, but I wrote this way before and it just so happens to be published now. But that's what I, I'm reading. It's really interesting. It's about like um, the pandemic and this little boy gets through it. But when he gets through it, he starts hearing a voice in his head. And um, that's about as far as I've gotten so far. That's what I'm reading. Cool. Rowan. Uh, I'm just looking through my Kindle list here. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> well, I so I've been on a Southern Gothic kick, um, trying to bone up on you know the best of the best. So I've got a a lot of shorts, a lot of shorts. Uh, I've got a good man and hard to find, um, and then I've got Boatman's Daughter by Andy Davidson, and Those Across the River by Christopher Bowman, and then. So I finished those, but I like occasionally flick back. Like I like, oh, there was something in there that I really liked. And then I'll like go into it and I'll reread like a few, like a chapter or two. Um, but at the top of my list, I've been doing a lot of Richard Matheson. Um, you know, somebody. The oh, other tell day me which ones, me, please. Well, t someone told me that uh, Hell House was one of the scariest like haunted house novels that they've read. And I'm only like a quarter in and I would probably like, it has been pretty like Richard Matheson. I don't, I don't know if it was cause like a different age, like he wrote in the seventies, right? He like, I am legend. I think is like one of the only books that has given me a nightmare. That's a great um, book. It's scary. Like, and actually, do you know what? I can see a parable between COVID Omicron and now like, everyone is getting this virus 
everyone's accepting it. And those that have not gotten are like slowly just in the insides of their house. Like, and then one day I think I'm going to go outside and everyone's accepted on the cron and everyone's like, well, you, you're the last. <laughs> I'm like, <"Ooh."> um, <laughs> you will Smith. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, and then I also have the best of the best of Richard Matheson. Uh, and that is pretty good. I did not realize that he came up with so many like uh, tropes. Like there's one of the first ones in here is like the voodoo doll that comes to life and runs around and kills like the woman that brought him home. Like the little doll that goes sweet, like the original Chucky. He did that. Um, I had no idea. Uh, I have Stephen Howard. I'm trying his short stories. Uh, and oh, look, there's Nico Bell. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, I go a lot. I, I go all over. I am. I got Mexican Gothic. I got Rebecca on there. I'm all over the shop, guys. I'm a. I, it takes me a long time to read books, so I flip. I'm I'm in the same boat. That's why. Mm-hmm. That's why a lot of mine are audio or um, with like your two, um, it's uh, text to voice. And mm-hmm. at first I wasn't sure. It probably you guys might be thinking it too. Like I was like, how can I absorb all that? But you can. I mean, I picked up on everything you guys wrote and it's helped a lot because I don't have a lot of time to, you guys have young families too. I believe, I believe all of us do. And it's not easy to sit down and just read a book when you also want to be a writer. <laughs> yeah. Brandon, what are you reading? I was going to say, you know, we've had the debate ad nauseum on here about a book is a book is a book, but I mean, there's a lot of validity to different learning styles. You know, some people need to hear it. Some people need to see it. And you know, if you can absorb the story the way that's going to stick in your brain and work for your daily schedule, then by all freaking means, do it that way. <laughs> um, I am reading a book called Touched by Shadows by Vaughn A. Jackson. I, I want to show off the cover. Actually, it's it's Don Noble, um, but it's a little bit different looking than stuff I've seen of his before. It has this... Uh, that's cool. It, it almost reminds me a little bit of Andy Cole's Remains, and it's probably just because it has that uh, illustrated style that really makes good use of negative space, you know, focuses on the black, white, and red. Uh, but it reminds me, it has almost this kind of like Firestarter uh, by Stephen King vibe where, you know, a little girl is subject to these experiments by this big, strange corporation. Um she escapes from it and now she, you know, gets taken in by a white family in a predominantly white town that has some real racism issues. Um, a little black girl, by the way. Um, and on top of all that, she's developing, she seems to be developing these kind of like telekinetic powers. Uh, it's, it's good though. It's, it's, it's taken kind of a familiar trope and adding that next little layer to it like what if you had all this shit going on and oh yeah on top of it you know the entire town is looking at you sideways because of the color of your skin so you know uh it's i I like it so far though i'm about a quarter of the way in and i also am reading wendy's final task i just had that Mm. come in the mail yesterday and accidentally read 150 pages of it um that those books fly they're very short chapters you know they're they're written in like very present tense present tense and engaging um 
and it does work the coronavirus into it, um, which I don't know how I feel about that yet, but um, <laughs> I'll see it through. It's it's Stephen King and Rich Chismar. I'll see it through. <laughs> Patrick, how about you? Uh, yeah, so um, especially since we got Lansdale, Joe Lansdale coming on in two weeks, I am reading his latest uh, Happen Leonard book that comes out next month i believe i'm also reading happen leonard book three um for our other show i'm burying the dead i'm reading thomas trion's the other and uh i'm also reading don winslow's city on fire that's an upcoming book by him um which i like it because i uh being a uh massachusetts native um i was always fascinated by like whitey bulger and from afar i would never want to be anywhere near that crazy bastard but um reading about it just like serial killers i don't understand how anyone could live a lifestyle where you are uh always looking over your shoulder because you're the guy you've worked with your whole adult life could kill you to get your position you could get arrested you could get shot up like i don't know how anyone could live that lifestyle i feel like i'd be puking my guts up every day so um, this story, City on Fire, is uh, basically about a guy in organized crime in New England. And um, I just, I, I, I find it endlessly fascinating. Um, listeners, if you are interested in going to a website that we have for Deadhead Space, go to deadheadspace.com. We have articles, reviews. Um, we also have a store run by my wife. Uh, you can check that out. And um, Rowan, where can people follow you? I guess I'm mostly on Twitter. Um, I mean, I have all the socials. Uh, I think anybody, I think the only people who follow me on Facebook are like my mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, it's just Ryder Rowan Hill. And I, I have a website. Well, I mean, I'm just a, I'm just a girl. It's not much of a website. I think I, I think I put like a quote my mom said once on there. So that's funny. <laughs> so that's that's like my endorsement is my mom on my website. Um, but writer Rowan Hill is what I'm under all my socials. Nice. Uh, how about you, Nico? Where can people follow you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at Nico Bell Fiction, and then my website is NicoBellFiction.com. Perfect. Um, you, you do TikTok, Nico. So brave. So brave. <laughs> actually really like tiktok i feel like i can filter out drama a lot easier on tiktok <laughs> than other places like i just go on i look at pictures of dogs doing silly things in their videos and then i post a video and i'm off <laughs> it's, it's fun. Uh, where, where can people fall uh not where can people follow geez uh what are your final thoughts sarah rowan uh thank you for having me that's my final thought <laughs> there you go uh nico any final thoughts yeah thanks for having me back <laughs> I hope I get to come back again. Of course. We love you. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Oh, it's <laughs> a 50% chance, apparently. So, Brendan, what are your final thoughts? I appreciate, you know, both of your, your I, I appreciate both of you uh, making the time for us. Uh, you know, Rowan, we were trying to work this out and your schedule sounded pretty hectic. So I'm really psyched that you were able to fit us in mm. on your Sunday afternoon. And Nico, mm. thank you for making time for us at 9. I forget your time eight, zone. It's either eight o'clock, Brennan, 8 a.m. on a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Ooh. Well, to be fair, it's Rowan's fault. So, um, <laughs> throwing a guest under the bus. Ooh, yeah, that's move. a real McDonough move. Real McDonough, um, you dick. <laughs> no, I, I I love the both of you. I'm glad we got to be able to have you on. These are fantastic books. Uh, Nico's is out now. Uh, Rowan's is out next week, I believe. Is it the 28th? Did I make that up? No, I think Friday. I think the 25th. 25th. Awesome. Even know, sooner. If you pre-order it now, it's like $2. Excellent. Get on that, people. Get on it. Nice. All right, Patrick, take us out. Uh, it's just uh, my final thoughts are I appreciate both of you coming on. It was a real joy talking to, to you guys. Uh, thank you, Rowan, for making the time for us um, with the time difference. Same for you, Nico. And um, obviously, we'll have you back. There's no questions about that. Uh, next episode is 136. I'll be with M.M. Schill. She's an illustrator, author, as well as an associate editor at the popular horror fiction podcast, Pseudopod, amongst many other things. So stay tuned for that. And as always, you have many choices in podcasts. Thank you for picking us. <laughs>